Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Teenage Catholic Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew, and I'm here with Brendan and Joseph back in studio once again. How are you guys doing today? Pretty good. I'm excited to be in Wonderful. studio. Excited to record more. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. How was, how was your nap, Brendan? Oh, my nap was excellent. Yeah. We Especially were... the, the part where I'm, like, in deep sleep, and next thing I know, I'm getting a call from Matthew, <laughs> and I'm like, oh. Yeah, we were supposed to record this, like, three hours ago, <laughs> but Brendan was still sleeping, so. Oh, man. All right, so in our last episode, we talked about the sacraments of healing. Uh, so those are penance and anointing of the sick. If you guys want to learn more about those, feel free to go check out our last episode. And today we'll be talking about the sacrament of matrimony. So the sacrament of matrimony is a bit special for teenagers because I don't know of any teenagers that are getting married at 16 or something like that. If you are, good luck. It's pretty cool. But anyway, marriage is part of a group of sacraments called the sacraments of service to communion and the other one in there is holy orders we'll be talking about holy orders next episode because this episode has so much to talk about and uh, just generally talking about matrimony should help you guys again in, in the future just kind of figuring out like what exactly matrimony is and how it how it plays a part really in your life rather than how you can live out the sacrament of matrimony because your parents are married, right? Uh, you might have friends that are getting married, older brothers, older sisters that are getting married. So this episode will be focusing more just on generally what it is um, rather than how you can live it out. So with that, we're going to start the way we love to start all of our all of our podcasts with the oh-so-obvious question, what are the sacraments of service? So the sacraments of service are the sacraments in which we are called to give our lives to Christ and his church. And it all depends which vocation God calls you from. Vocation, this is my little Latin nerd tidbit here. Vocation comes from Latin for vocare, which quite literally means to call. When you are looking at Latin cognates in English, most of the time they come from the fourth principal part in Latin. And the fourth principal part in Latin is vocatum. Uh, so something, it means like having been called to do something. So Vocation, vocatum, pretty pretty cool, right? Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the affirmation, guys. So a vocation is your calling in life, uh, but particularly the calling in life that God gives you. So you, you hear people say like, oh, I, I was I was called to be a Catholic school teacher. I was called to be a firefighter. Uh, you know, being, being a scientist was my vocation. And that's the kind of colloquial use for it. But there's a better, more accurate theological use for it. Brendan, do you want to explain what the vocations are and um, what they mean in a theological sense? Sure. So there are three major vocations and a fourth technical vocation. I think the most common vocation we see in the church is the married life. You know, it's for men and women who find love in each other and they get married. You also have the ordained life, which is our deacons, priests, bishop, holy orders, the religious life, monks and nuns. And it's funny, some like religious brothers can also be priests, but it's not really necessary um, for that. And then the technical one would be the single life. Um, in the catechism, when it's tackling the subject of homosexuality. That's really where it comes from. And basically, the catechism uh, states that all who struggle with same-sex attraction are called to remain chaste and observe a single life that really is just like you're not committing any other 
sins, I guess, you know. Yeah. Um, and just living out a good chaste life, celibacy and other stuff like that. So. Yeah, and, and so it's it's not um, that people who are called to the single life are always struggling with same-sex attraction. Yeah. Um, or people who may struggle with same-sex attraction are always automatically called to the single life um, because there's some people who you know, they may struggle in various degrees. Um, most, but I mean, when you're really, really struggling with it, you just have to live your, your single chaste life. Um, but if you've struggled with it in the past and gotten over it, uh, you may find yourself married. Um, I, I'd really doubt that they'd let you into the seminary considering the rigorous physical and mental processes you have to go through. Mm-hmm. Brendan, I remember you telling us stories <laughs> about that, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, I called it a technical vocation. It is a vocation in the church, but it's a, it's just kind of, you have your married life and then you have your, just everything else is kind of the quote single life. But the quote single life vocation is a non-married, non-religious, non-ordained vocation. It's, it's, you're not participating in a sacrament or taking vows or anything like that. Your vows are private to yourself to, and it's okay if you want to release yourself from those vows and, get married or something like that if you find that you've you've successfully overcome your sin so uh we're not really going to be worrying about the single life because we're going to be worrying about the sacraments matrimony which deals with the married life and holy orders which deals with the ordained life and kind of the religious life but we're going to be focusing a lot more on the ordained life so vocations are found mostly through prayer but circumstances definitely play a major role in that uh seminarians I, I know lots of seminarians. I think two different seminarians I know have left because they've they've met a woman and you know gone off and started dating. You're not allowed to date in the seminary. I'm sure that's yeah. hard for you, Brendan, isn't it? Of course not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, a seminarian might might meet a woman and right. leaves the seminary to go into the married life. Or uh, there's definitely it happened vice versa with I know the current. A dean of men at the seminary at our seminary was actually engaged at one point mm-hmm. and it broke off the engagement to enter the seminary which is uh, kind of based yes <laughs> but uh, lots of lots of different reasons why people might might be called to their vocation martin luther actually very interesting story he was walking home in a thunderstorm one day and just like raging raging thunderstorm and he, he looks up to, to the heavens and says god if you get me out of this thunderstorm i will devote my life to you and well, we know what happened after that. God got him out of the thunderstorm, and now we've got a German monk going around telling everybody that the Catholic Church is bad. But anyway, uh, so even though your situations and circumstances might play different parts in your life and in figuring out your vocation, it doesn't mean that you should avoid the best thing to figuring out your vocation, which is prayer. Um, and that is when discerning your vocation, it's just the greatest tool to use. Yeah, definitely. Um, especially like when you're discerning something like the ordained life, you know, it's, I think it's one thing, like, again, it's so common to get married and partake in that sacrament. But, you know, that two-way conversation between you and God allows God not only to speak to you while you're in that conversation, but later on guide you on the path he wants for you and just unraveling the vocation he's calling you to. And it's not an easy process to sermon. It's very, you know, I don't want to say rigorous, but I guess. Yeah, and it's it, ongoing. Like, it's yeah, constantly it, ongoing. You know, I've 
spoken to many priests who say they're still discerning their vocation. And, you know, every day is a different adventure in the priesthood or like married couples will say each day is an adventure with their spouse. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's great. Love prayer. It's great. It's great. It's great. Um, so with that, let's jump straight into holy matrimony. Joe, do you want to give us the catechism definition of matrimony? I would love to. The matrimonial, the matrimonial covenant by which man and woman establish between themselves a partnership of the whole of life is by its nature ordered towards the good of the spouses and the procreation and education of offspring. That is in the catechism. Uh, what chapter? It'd be paragraph. Paragraph. Yeah. Paragraph sixteen oh one. Yeah, I was blank. <laughs> chapter <laughs> chapter sixteen verse oh one. No. Something like that. Um, so let's yeah let's break that down a little bit. Um, it, it kind of it can kind of be broken down into into two main parts, right? There's the a man and a woman establishing a covenant, the the partnership of themselves for the rest of life, and so that's what's happening. And then you have the end goal, uh, the nature order towards the good of the spouse and for the procreation and education of offspring, children. Um, so. Marriage obviously is a covenant, right? It's this promise made between man and a woman, and and they devote themselves to each other for life. They're the ordinary ministers of the sacrament. Um, it's actually the only sacrament. Uh, Brendan, what did you write here? This is the only sacrament that is between the people receiving the sacrament. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, so it's <laughs> it's like they they basically give the sacrament to each other rather than receiving it from right, somebody yeah. else. Yeah, the the sacrament that like they're almost giving themselves the graces by participating in the sacrament, mm-hmm. um, which is just so beautiful. I weddings are weddings are amazing, amazing things yes. to go to, right? So yeah, marriage is the the bond between man and woman in which they're united together into one flesh. Uh, Joe, can you read Genesis two twenty three for me? Sure. <laughs> Genesis uh, chapter 2, verse 23. We have, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of, taken out of man. Yeah, so this is, this is the very beginning when, uh, this is the second creation account where uh, Eve is formed out of the rib of Adam. And the bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh kind of thing, Jesus alludes to later when he's talking about marriage, and he says, you know, the man... Uh, leaves his father and mother and cleaves to his wife, right? You, you, you leave leave your parents and cleave to your spouse. And uh, yeah, and so it's this kind of beautiful representation of two becoming one. And it's it's put, I mean, Adam puts it so well, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, like we are literally the same person at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's so beautiful. It's, it's a great kind of way to look at uh, the spiritual understanding of marriage and, and what it is. Um, married couples brought together by God to give their lives to each other, uh, give their lives to their family, and of course, give their lives to God. Um, they're supposed to love one another, bring children into the world, and raise those children in the faith. Um, the end goal of marriage, of course, is to bring children into this world, right? To create and educate offspring. Um, and then you have that kind of, uh, um, again, the telos is there. There are four causes to everything, as Aristotle likes to say. There's four causes to everything. Telos is the the like end cause. What is it for? What is it doing? And marriage, its end cause is to uh, procreate offspring and then to educate them and, and bring them to God. And then there's there's obviously the other one of bringing your spouse closer to heaven. Um, and we're just kind of we're kind of 
called to do that. We're not even kind of called to do that. We are called to do that with everyone who we meet ever. And it's really important, um, especially with our spouses, because these are the people who, I mean, not only am I devoting my entire life to, to my spouse, but then also to my children. And I need to make sure my spouse is also doing the same thing. So uh, just a great kind of teamwork kind of thing, devoting your lives to each other. Um, teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah, right. <laughs> Team in this case, teamwork really does make the dream work, guys. But um, yeah. So that's that's kind of the broken down definition of what the catechism says about marriage. I think another thing too, like you know, talking of like, you know, the procreation of children. That act of procreation is because the bride and groom love each other a lot. They want <laughs> when a mommy and a daddy <laughs> love each other very much, they decide to make children. Make children, all right, exactly. Yeah, let's move on. You all know what we're talking about here, guys. So, um, <laughs> you know, but they, you know, I'm sure two people don't bring in a child into a world just be, in, into the world because, like, just for like you know, the heck of it, you know, they want to bring that child in because they want to like re, um, recipiate that love between the husband and wife into kind of like just this one being, you know, that the child. So like, how do you say that word? I don't know what word you're looking at. This is an incredible (laughs) euphemistic. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. So Brendan just just very 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 euphemistically described marital relations, <laughs> without knowing that's what he was doing. <laughs> yes, <laughs> or knowing how to say euphemistically. You learn something new every day. You do learn something new every day. Euphemistically, yeah. can we get a definition on euphemistic, please, Joe? I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on that. What is so uh, euphemistic means using or. Using or of the nature of a euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a euphemism. <laughs> Give me a second on that Here one. Here we go. Vocab word of the monthly Teenage Catholic podcast. A mild or indirect word or expression substituted for one considered to be too harsh or blunt when referring to something unpleasant or embarrassing. I put stress on the words that were underlined in that definition. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's it's obviously we're referring to the marital act here, guys. Um but that's what Brendan was saying. I, yeah, it still is this beautiful love between a man and a woman where they their love quite literally creates another human being. I mean, there's nothing else in the world that can do that. Yeah. Um, that can create another human being. I, I just, there's, well, okay. There's in vitro fertilization, but that's just terrible. Um, we'll probably, we'll probably touch on that in the future. Um, Maybe. Because it's a definitely a political hot topic. Sure. Um, but there's, other people out there who are way smarter than us who can explain it so much better than we can. Um, so if the whole purpose of, of marriage is to bring life, obviously we're going to go on this little abortion spiel, spiel here. Um, if you're bringing about life and it's so good to bring about life, obviously abortion is bad. Why would you want to? Question. Yeah, Joe. Difficult question. I didn't even finish. <laughs> oh my gosh, let me finish. And then you get to ask your def- difficult question. So obviously... If um, <laughs> if the if the point of of um, of getting married is to create children out of this out of this love is to children are good right then then why would you kill it that's definitely a bad thing, 
Joe is going to ask the difficult question of what about cases of... Was no. that not what you're going to ask? So, no. I thought well, he was going to be like, what about rape and incest? No, actually. Okay. Um, so if a child is conceived outside of marriage, the child is still a human being with every single same right as a human being. If um, the parents of that child are not married, have sex outside of marriage, have this kid, but don't have an abortion, have the kid, say they get married later, raise the kid. What's wrong with that? So, yeah. So there's a, a very, it's this kind of premarital sex kind of question where it's like, sex is a very special thing. Um, again, it's it's creating a human life. There's a so Joe, what you were asking was, um, why is it if everything else, if there's not no contraception, no attempted abortion, no other sins in that regard, child is brought to life, um, and I have the quote: "Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you." Um, that child still um, exists in God's plan. Um, that child could very well still go on to be a great priest or a uh, theological thinker. That that child could be Aquinas. What's wrong then with life being brought into the world? Uh, yeah. So premarital sex is an offense against chastity. Um which is stated right here in Catechism uh, 2353. Fornication is a carnal union between an unmarried man and an unmarried woman. It is gravely contrary to the dignity of persons and of human sexuality, which is naturally ordered to the good of spouses and the generation and education of children. Moreover, it is a grave scandal where there is corruption of the young. Other question. Is, um, now, you know, I'm just like going wild here. Is... Not having sex, like an unmarried couple not having sex, not similar to contraception in the sense of they could have a child, but they don't. Again, if the child would be raised, you know, well. And okay, all. great. So, so let me answer your first question. Then we'll get to the next question. So the first question about what's wrong with having premarital sex if everything else is going to be right, is that, first of all, sex is for marriage. It's a, um, it, it breaks other virtues along the way of, of um, long-suffering and uh, other virtues of, uh, um, against chastity. So it, it increases your vices against chastity. Because of the purpose that sex has inside of marriage, where um, the dignity of the persons both created and participating in the act is specifically designed for marriage. So it's kind of one of these things where it's like to anybody who would think of it outside of a theological realm, there's no issue whatsoever. But because we are told by the church and like it's the instruction that sex is for marriage, to do it before marriage is a bad thing because it breaks virtues. Um and, and and it says right here, it is gravely contrary to the dignity of persons and of human sexuality. It goes against the very thing that sex is for, which is not for just 
again, just creating children to then go on later and and say, hey, we're going to do everything right now. Like there's a very specific way that things are supposed to happen. Um, and then that relates to your second question of, of isn't it like, what well, you said, isn't it like contraception in the sense of you could have a child, but you are not. So in, so contraceptives, we were going to talk about those like later. Even, oh. Okay. Even if you're a married couple, like husband, wife, but you don't have sex, is that not the same as having sex with, with contraception because you were avoiding a child? No, because, okay. And then here is the, so actually let, let's just go straight ahead for the contraceptives where I talked about contraceptives. Um, the regulation of births represents one of the aspects of responsible fatherhood and motherhood. Legitimate intentions on the part of the spouses do not justify recourse to morally unacceptable means. For example, direct sterilization or contraceptives. That's a catechism of the Catholic Church 2399. So this means that using birth control or uh, barrier contraceptives like condoms um, or sterilization like vasectomies or hysterectomies are huge no-nos because, again, that's not what it's designed for, right? There's, as we mentioned in the beginning, there's a very clear telos here. The The end goal of marriage is to raise children. And there's an end goal of sex too, which is to create children. And to do anything out of the ordinary would be doing it disorderly. So it's, it's one of those things when you think about, um, I could eat to nourish myself or I could overeat and fill myself up and then throw up all of my food. You're still eating yourself to, you're still eating and nourishing yourself, but one of them you do disordered, which is not good for you. And so in the same way with sex, when you use contraceptives, it prohibits you from reaching the natural end of sex, which is disordered. And we're supposed to avoid doing disordered things. So that's why I would say contraceptives and marriage, well, that's why contraceptives and marriage are bad. Not having children before marriage is good because you're not supposed to have children before marriage. You're supposed to create children in marriage, not before marriage. Or in, um, I guess, I can't say after marriage. Because, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you can't create children before marriage. But you're supposed to do it, like, while you're married. Um, so that's why... That's why contraceptives in marriage are bad. So contraceptives before marriage are bad because it's just disordered. And first of all, you shouldn't be having sex before you're married for the reasons we said. Second of all, contraceptives are disordered. You shouldn't be using contraceptives in marriage because first of all, you have the duty to create children. Second of all, it's disordered. And third of all, you have the responsibility to like legitimately, it says here, um, the regulation of births represents the aspect of the responsible fatherhood and motherhood. So you have the responsibility to, like, if you can't raise four kids, like, be careful about that, sure. Um, but that's not, that doesn't give way to uh, using these disordered means to stop yourself from having kids. So the only acceptable way then would just be don't have sex. Uh, natural family planning has, like, a 98% success rate, and that is... So I don't know exactly what it is because I don't have a reason to know exactly what it is at this point. Um, but it's basically so like there are periods of time throughout the month where women are more and less fertile. And so it's well, basically like you, yeah. can, you can have sex when women are less fertile. And that's not. Like, and and that still fulfills your marital 
I mean, you have it, you have it, like, once you're married, you have a duty to have sex. Um, and so that still fulfills, like, your, quote, duty, but it will allow you to, without doing anything disordered, it will allow you to, because there's still a chance of you getting pregnant. It's the same way that, it's the same way that, um, infertile people can get married. So impotent people can't get married. So people who can't have sex can't get married. So, like, men who are castrated or... Um, women who have like malformed genitalia or something like that can't get married because there's not a possibility of them uh, participating in the marital act. But people who are infertile can participate in the marital act well, because the disorder is not in the marital act itself. Um, so, no, it is not the same to not have kids before um, the same way it is to use contraceptives during marriage because your responsibility before marriage is to not have kids because kids are for marriage and your responsibility in marriage is to have kids because your responsibility is to have kids that makes sense <laughs> I feel like I went way all over the place a little but you know that's what makes this interesting Yes. Yeah. so did I did I answer everything? I, I hope, think so. I hope I answered everything. For now. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's... Okay. So we talked about... We covered... <laughs> I've lost what we covered at this point. We, we talked like a little okay. bit about abortion. We talked like we talked about contraception. Right. Okay. Um, so so let's just go over quickly what we talked about. So contraceptives are bad in marriage yeah. for the reasons we said. Because um, mm-hmm. it's disordered. Uh, premarital sex is bad because it's disordered. Um, abortion is bad because it's disordered. Yeah. Um, and it's killing. killing. Yeah, killing a human, killing. right? Yeah. Which is not ordered to natural human life. Um, from womb to tomb, guys. <laughs> human life must be respected and protected absolutely from the moment of conception. From the first moment of his existence, a human being must be recognized as having the rights of a person, among which is the inviolable uh, right of an, of every innocent being to life. That is catechism. Um, paragraph 2270. Yeah. So everybody just, once they're alive, which zygotes, right, as soon as the sperm um, and the egg make it zygote, the first cell of a baby, that's a life. Like, that is alive. It's a human being with a soul. So to kill it or to get rid of it is a terrible thing. No, no. Um, We'll definitely have an episode episode on abortion later. We're just piling up (laughs) the, the episodes that we need to... But there's lots of resources yeah. out there for abortion in the meantime. Um, talked about contraceptives. Um, okay, cool. Dun, dun, dun. So we're gonna move. We're gonna move on to the next thing uh, uh, about marriage that confuses lots of people, and that's divorce in the Catholic Church, which there's no such thing as divorce in the Catholic Church. Um, so we're gonna talk about that because it's often confusing um, for people. Um, I know I've had lots of arguments, well, not arguments, but just kind of discussions about like that it's just totally not what you think it is at all. So, Brendan. Yes. Why don't you go through and explain this to us? Gotcha. This is a huge thing that people like to hate Catholics (laughs) on. (laughs) Just Oh my god! That's the only button I remember. Our, what it does. 
The big red button. <laughs> Yo, we got new technology in studio, and I have this little sound pad that can like. Catechism with Brendan. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Yeah, baby. Yeah. This is a huge thing that people like to hate Catholics on. <laughs> All right. Sorry. I'll stop. It's fine. Our idea that we don't allow divorce. So, yeah. In short, the Catholic Church is no way, in no way condones divorce at any time. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 6 through 9. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, and he will unite. He will be united to his wife. Told you so. Thank you, Matthew. And the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. It's actually a common reading for weddings. I've heard a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, because readings, uh, weddings all have the same readings, unless yeah. they're so. There's a set of like four readings you can. I didn't look them up. There's a set of like four readings you can read. Um, that all have to do with marriage. Uh, yeah. One is like love is peaceful, love is kind, love That's never the fails. Famous one. Um, there's this one. Uh, wait, no. There. Well, okay. There's, there's many readings. There's maybe. obviously a bunch first. So this is yeah. a gospel. Um, I think the Beatitudes is another gospel. Um, you have the love is patient, love is kind for the first reading. There's also the one uh, wives be submissive to your husbands, husbands love your wives, wives the way Christ loved the church. To pull that up. <laughs> first Peter we'll get chapter there. three. First, <laughs> first Peter three. Um, <laughs> any of First Peter, really? Yeah, really. Any of James? Um, oh boy, I but, love the Catholic Church. So there's, there's, yeah, a bunch of readings, but there's like a set of a set of four readings yeah. you can make, and then obviously the, um, I guess the New Testament ones would be the second reading if you get a second reading, mm-hmm. which you wouldn't get a second reading because your wedding is not a solemnity or a feast day, so you'd get a first reading. Okay, let's okay. stop worrying about this. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think yeah, all like just the, reading that passage, it it's kind of all in there. Like, that is what marriage is: the man leaves his house to be united to his wife, and they are one being. You know, right? And like it's, God unites them. This yeah. is this isn't something that man is doing. Right. This is something that God is doing, like, um, and we can't you can't take that away. No, you so. Can't. Um, a civil marriage that does not take place with the church between two non-Catholics is just not recognized by the church. Um, it's not recognized by the church as because it's not matrimony, right? Yeah. Right. So it'll be recognized by the church as a civil marriage. Like, yeah, it's you. You guys are married to the state. The church has to be like the state says you're married. Yes, but um, in the I guess the but, overall umbrella kind of right. The the church just doesn't really speak on civil marriage like if no. you guys if 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 i if me and my fiance go, I, i'm not engaged but like let's say hypothetically in five years me and my fiance go to the court and we say hey we want to get married and they say cool sign this document we sign that document and then i say i want to get a divorce I, I, nothing has to do with the church so the church yeah it's just kind of like okay well you guys signed a paper we can we can marry you guys in the church if you want um but we can't like we can't give you an annulment yeah. or anything like that. So if you get married civilly, get divorced civilly, because that's the only way to be divorced. You can't be divorced in the Catholic Church, just reiterating. Could you then 
since that's not matrimony, yes, you, you are not married. bound by God, you could still... Yes. I, I, I'm like 98% sure the answer to that is yes. Because it, it's not been found... Well, so it's not been found as a valid marriage. So um, let's, let's go through this real quick. So the Catholic Church, under certain circumstances, after an investigation, will grant an annulment, which states that the marriage never existed to start with due to an impediment in the vows. Um, so after the vows are made the you know till death do we part kind of stuff Mm -hmm. joe can you look those up for later just the vows um once those vows are made you either have a real marriage or a not real marriage a valid or an invalid marriage so here are a few things that will nullify a marriage or make it invalid lack of capacity so you're too closely related uh you're not allowed to marry anybody within three degrees of relation to you or within the same line of you so like i can't marry my third cousin i can marry my fourth cousin can't marry my third cousin can't marry my grandmother nothing like that um, uh, you can't already be married in the church. <laughs> Joe, stop it. Sweet home. Um, you can't already be married in the church. Uh, again, we talked about sex- sexual impotence. So just the like inability to inability to, to have sex. Um, or you can be too young. So code of canon law states that their ages, I think it's 16 for guys and 14 for girls. Um, you can have a lack of consent. So shotgun weddings where like, you get pregnant and then you're like, shoot, let's get married real quick. And you don't actually think about it. You're just doing it to get it done. Um, that's an impediment. Um, or spousal desire for future adultery. So like, if you don't actually mean the vows when you're saying the vows, that's an impediment to marriage. Um, so I'm seeing two forms that the vows could be. The first is the priest saying, uh, like, Matthew, do you take your fiance's name to be your wife do you promise to be faithful to her in good times and bad in sickness and in health to love her and honor her all the days of her your life and then you would say i do, I do. the other form is you matthew would say i matthew take you name for my lawful wife to have and hold from this day forward for better for worse for richer for poor in sickness and health until death do us i matthew take you josephina as <laughs> i should have used that <laughs> Um, so that's just the result I found. I'm not sure right. which is more. I, I think they're both. I would say they're both valid. But no, they're, they're the same thing. It's yeah. just one. One the the priest says it, and the right. other one is you say it. So you can like read it off a note card, or there's one where the priest will say, um, like repeat after me. Yeah, it, that's. I think that's most weddings I've been to. That's usually what. Yeah, that's and the priest would be like, I Matthew, I, Matthew, and then Matthew would go, I Matthew. Take you, Josephina. Take you, Josephina. And then so on and and so forth. Um, So, Joe, this last one for uh, a few things that will nullify your marriage. So we have lack of capacity, lack of consent, and the final one is lack of form. Oh. Which is all marriages outside of the church are invalid marriages. Which means that your marriage is automatically nullified. So it's not a real marriage. Um, So, yeah, if you get civilly married, you just were never married to start with. So it's not... It's not like a sin to be civilly married because civil marriage is not a... It's a sin to have sex if you're civilly married. But it's not a sin to... Like, I don't, I don't think it's a sin to sign a doc. It would be it would be a bit scandalous. So you might you might cause scandal. Um, and if you are causing scandal, that's a sin. But that's... That's a lot of gray area-ish. So I don't want to say... Yes, it's a sin. Okay. If you're having sex while you're civilly married, that is fornication, premarital sex. That is definitely a sin. So if I got civilly married and divorced five times in a row within the span of a week because I'm, you know, a player, 
but then I go and get legitimately married at a Catholic church that is probably perfectly okay. Although there's a problem with me. <laughs> yeah, so. I would say there's a problem with you. <laughs> it's first. not it's not perfectly okay. But yes, you can you can I mean yeah, I would if as long as you press past the uh, pre cana yeah, yeah. Boys trip to Vegas is gonna be wild. <laughs> <laughs> TCP goes to goes to Vegas. TCP goes That's pretty funny. Um yeah, so this this lack of form states that um all all marriages outside of the church are not recognized as valid marriages inside the church, which means that yes, you can get married. Um so the determination to nullify a marriage rests solely on the church. Yeah, there's like this whole process where like, you know, whichever part of the the the, the couple would like go to their Catholic priest and say, yo, I want a, an annulment. First off, there has to be like an investigation within the diocese, which then gets sent to Rome. Rome does an, invest, an investigation, sends it back to the diocese. Sends it to the priest, and then it, it's like this really complicated as as it should it, be. I mean, you're trying to figure out whether like, whether or not God truly ordained people to be truly married. Is that yeah. priests and bishops, or just like I Catholics? Most of the, most of the people in Rome are priests. That's yeah. a very good point. Yeah, <laughs> That's, it's the guards over there. Yeah, that the, are, Swiss guards. the Swiss guards are like okay. You know, quick quick uh, mind soup real quick. How many Swiss guards do we think are in Rome? Retired or just like... Just like active Swiss guards. It's only a couple hundred. Yeah. Do we think we could like expand a little bit? Take over some some Italian mafia neighborhoods? Hmm. Hmm. Vatican City goes from one square mile to two square miles. (laughs) Four square miles. Eight square miles. I mean, it could do... Sooner or later, we'll have the entire world. But, you know, with that much land, we might need another pope to help rule. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> speed running heresy. <laughs> I love that button. Oh my gosh, that's pretty funny. Um, I, I love Rome. I love everything to do with the Catholic Church. There's nothing I, wrong. I do not condone any of this. Joseph has said lots of things wrong, and we recognize him. Yeah. We do not condone the behavior of Joseph. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I, I think just another point, too, is an annulment is not a divorce. It's like the recognizing of there was no like spiritual marriage between the man. Right. And, and that's what the, that's what an annulment is. An annulment is recognizing your marriage never was. That's an annulment. It recognizes it as null. It never existed. Nullify. Yes. Brendan's four IQ just went up to five IQ. Yes, sir. I think my my mic on. Yes. Okay. Just doesn't sound like. Brendan had a twenty uh, percent IQ increase. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's not how math works. That would, in fact, be a twenty five percent increase. <laughs> and Joe just had a twenty percent IQ decrease. Yeah. Darn! I'm only at two hundred now. <laughs> Shut up. It's um, two hundred one. So annulment isn't divorce um, because divorce breaks a civil contract and annulment recognizes that a marriage never existed. That's, that's all it is. Joe is throwing things at me now. What if, (laughs) hold 
on. Let me scroll back up to the uh, <laughs> just the way Joe leans in and goes, "What if my wife cheats on me with five different men at Vegas in a week? What do I do? Am I just screwed?" I mean, she, she's screwed. <laughs> Am I also screwed? Therefore, um, no. So you got to take it to your priest or your bishop or whoever in your diocese you need to take it to. Some dioceses have like official Inquisition offices. I Nobody say yes, expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> no one expects the Spanish Inquisition. Um, no, but they have like official like annulment uh, places. So you just got to go to whoever and say, "Hey, um, I think." I would like an annulment. Well, first you have to talk it out with your wife. And you have to be like, so did did you, did you cheat on me? And if she's like, yes. Then you have to be like, why? And if she's like, I don't know, I was bored of you. Your wiener's too small. Y- yeah. No, if she legitimately says something like that, then you can be like, okay, I think I'm going to try to get an annulment. And you can go and talk to the priest. Um, I don't recommend that because you can try to fix that. Um, but if she's like, oh, I was drunk and just didn't know what I was doing, then that's a different story. And you probably don't, you will have much less success getting an annulment if that's what really happened. Um, but yeah, so I, the point of annulments is not to like switch between wives as quickly as possible. It's like, I, there is a legitimate problem inside my marriage. I think that my marriage is just didn't exist right my my wife doesn't care about me my wife doesn't care about my kids um she is uh, cheating on me she's lying to me she just i don't know list anything this is a legitimate problem inside my marriage you can go and try to get an annulment um yeah so that's that's what that's what an annulment is just to just to clarify an annulment is not divorce yeah 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 Yeah. all right cool joe do you want to uh walk us through the rite of marriage sure so marriage or the sacrament of matrimony should take place during mass but it wouldn't actually have to matrimony must this is not a should this is a must (laughs) be in a church unless you receive a dispensation uh this would mean I cannot have my wedding on a beautiful Hawaiian beach or in the middle of the uh, Amazon rainforest. I don't know how many people do that, but uh, you cannot. Right. Unless you get a dispensation. And I highly doubt you're getting a dispensation (laughs) to do that. Um, Most of the time, um, I just want to throw this out there. Most of the time, dispensations are like to go to uh, retreat house, chick from Lord's place. Yes. Yeah, to be at like outdoor shrines or something yeah, like that. I would. That's where most, because you have to have. I'm pretty sure you must have a holy setting somewhere. Right. Yeah. Um. So it it'll be for like outdoor shrines or something like that. That or if you're going to another, I think it's a, if you going to another diocese for your marriage, like if your fiance is from. Oh, like the like, diocese of like Orlando. Yeah. And I'm and, from New York. And, oh no! If we're both from Orlando and we're getting married in New York. That or if, like, because you're, like, let's say you're from the diocese of, um, I don't know, Tyler, right, Texas. Bishop Strickland. 
Ian Rendeer. Um You would have to get, I believe, I could be wrong about this. You you would have to get a letter from your diocese, like you know, your bishop, giving you the, um, granting you the dispensation to be married in Orlando, well, where your fiance is. Uh, right. Okay. So I don't. Yeah, that that would be. I feel like that'd be weird if it was like, yeah. So you're from Orlando, but she's from Tyler. So you have to get a dispensation to go get married at her church. It's like, but um, she she lives there. <laughs> so yeah, okay. I don't yeah. I don't know if that's exactly. I that think word. that's another dispensation. I could be wrong on that too. Yeah, okay. I learned that Just eventually. Move, move, Just move. Yeah, but then you have to like enroll in in a new parish and. That point you're basically doing as much work. Yeah, enroll the census. Yeah, right there on donkey. Yeah, absolutely. Well, no, mm, let's not do that because then, because <laughs> then your fiance would be like miraculously pregnant somehow, with Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> <laughs> I, like I would mind. I'm Joseph. This would <laughs> line up. I've been here before. Been there, done that. All right, so a wedding can basically be on any day of the year, but some days will override the matrimony readings with their own. Uh, We were talking about this before, how there's several, like, primary sets of readings. Yeah. Um, But But if you get married, like, on Christmas. I don't know if you can get married on Christmas. I I wouldn't. I mean, like, if you give a good reason to, like, it's after the masses. It's like you got the rest of Christmas afternoon. It's like, hey. Why not? Do uh, I just don't know. I I I thought you couldn't get married on any. I, I'm day sure. Of the year. Like yeah, thought it was like most of the days of the year, but not any day of the year. Like I, I'm sure. Like for like solemnities, like feast. Yeah, solemnities. I would assume we should look that up. Probably. I don't think it matters that much. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I would assume solemnities. You can get married on basically any day of the year, and if the day is more important than your wedding, and then just you get overridden. Yeah. Can I choose a priest for my yes wedding? yes any priest yes yes okay I have like four <laughs> priests on speed dial so. <laughs> getting married uh we'll see good answer I'll see if FRK is available FRK <laughs> I'm not explaining uh, FRK FRK to the we love FRK um hmm. so. This is interesting. You should receive penance. You should be receiving penance regardless, (laughs) actually. But your marriage will still be valid if you are in the state of mortal sin. You just won't receive graces from the sacrament until you confess. Right, unless your mortal sin is directly related to the marriage. It's like if you're committing fraud and, like, telling your wife you're someone that you're actually not. That's an issue. That Yeah, then you have to go to confession and also your marriage will be invalid. But if you're committing... Uh, very large-scale insurance fraud, that's all right. That's a different story, yes. Or if you, like, killed somebody the day before. You know, if you're driving on a bridge. (laughs) If you really, really, really don't like your future (laughs) mother-in-law, all I'm going to say is your marriage will still be valid. Until you confess it. No, it... It'll be valid. You just won't get any graces from it. So even if there's that poor family of 12... (laughs) 
it got run off the bridge because you were because you were in Vegas. How many times? How many times is fa- is this family of twelve going to get run off the bridge? This Yo, year? we're gonna make merch, and that will be like one of the shirts. <laughs> <laughs> family of twelve. I I belong to a family of twelve that has fallen and cannot get up. Life alert. Oh, <laughs> uh, I swear, officer, I hit the bricks. But anyway, receive penance. And then, and then you have the actual wedding itself. If you are having your wedding during a mass, the rite takes place between the liturgy of the word and the liturgy of the Eucharist. Imagine that. You get married, then you receive Jesus. That's a, that's a nice double whammy. Yes. That's a double... Whammy is like a negative connotation. Is there like a double... A double boom. A, a double... Yes, sir. A double good. Double poggers. Double poggers. That's more positive. Poggers squared. Oh, 100%. And then we have, um, for that uh, wedding rite, the presider addresses the bride and the groom about their intention to enter marriage in the presence of the community and church. And they will uh, be asked some questions beforehand, uh, such as, the freedom of their choice to marry each other, the state of their fidelity to each other, and do they accept the Catholic teaching? No, this is the priest asking the bride and groom. Oh, I'm sorry. This yeah. that is. Although there also is, like, m- Catholic marriage stuff before you get married. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're once you get engaged, you have to wait six months before you get married. Minimum six months. Um, I mean, you can get married like two and a half years later if you really want, which is weird. Um, but you have to wait six months, and in those six months, you have to go through what's called pre-cana, which is not prenup. Prenup is when you file papers that's like, if we get divorced... You don't get my money. Yeah. Um, prenup is bad. People who fill out prenup are more likely to get divorced. Pre-cana... However, they're more likely to keep their money. Keep that in mind, men. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> for all the men out there. Um, but pre-cana is like a, a pre-wedding marriage course for like raising children and being a good spouse and stuff like that. Yes, that is what I was thinking of yes. when I was reading this. Uh, and then we have the consent itself, which is commonly known as the vows. This is the point in the liturgy when the couple officially becomes husband and wife. The exchange of consent uh, is a public statement and care should be taken to ensure that it's seen and heard by the assembly. What if somebody objects? Is that a thing? Uh, I don't know if that's a... It's a thing in the Catholic yeah. Church. Like, there's no... I don't think there's a part in... Where, like, right. forever hold your peace or something like that. Okay. Because, let's be honest, uh doesn't matter if anyone objects. That's why. It's one of those things where it's about, like, I think it's stupid to ask for your father-in-law's daughter's hand in marriage. Wow. I think it's stupid to ask for your fiancé's dad to give you your fiancé's hand in marriage. Because, like, if he says no... Like, what's going to stop you? What are you going to do? Like, you're just going to be like, oh, sorry. Well, shoot. Yeah, I guess I won't do that. Like, no, just do it. Just be like, hey, I'm marrying your daughter. If he's like, why? Just be like, because I love her and I'm marrying her. Shut I up. I feel like it's still a good thing to do just for traditionalism. I think it's... like Not I, that... I don't think it's required. No, I think I think that, like, if I were to get married, I would pop the question to my girlfriend and then go and tell my girlfriend's dad that like hey i'm marrying your daughter and not even be like hey can i marry your daughter i'm just gonna be like i'm married like i'll tell him 
but I'm not asking him. No. Like, can I marry your daughter, please? You know what? I I would probably slip up. I would say like, can I have your hand in marriage? Or I'd <laughs> probably say something like that. Excuse and, me, sir. Can I have your hand in marriage? <laughs> and that'd be pretty awkward. <laughs> Hopefully he'd get a kick out of it, though. <laughs> You'd get a kick out of it, all right. Oh. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so after the vows are given, and that's what Joe read earlier, till death do we part, um, that's when the presider, whether it's a deacon, a priest, a bishop, you have to have a single ordained minister yeah. at the wedding. So you need a, excuse me, you need a church minister, priest, deacon, or bishop, and two witnesses and the bride and the groom. That's all you need for a wedding. You don't need rings. You don't need a white dress. You don't need flowers. This is a real money saver, men. This is, yeah, right? This is... Be Catholic. This is, like, legitimately, all you need is a man and a woman who are getting married, two witnesses of any kind, not C-3PO and R2-D2, um, but, like, it can be your brothers, it can be two random people, um, it can be the sacristan and the altar boy. Um... And then you need a priest, a deacon, or a bishop. Yeah. And that's all you need. Because one of them represents the church, and the rest of them represent... Weddings are public events. Yeah. Um, so that's that's what they're supposed to represent. So uh, the priest... I'm just going to say the priest. The priest uh, receives the consent, and the people... like The priest will like, okay, we acknowledge this now. And the people respond. They, they make an acclamation and ce- kind of little celebration there. Um, then there's the blessing and giving of rings. Yeah, bless the rings with holy water, and they put the rings on. How Optionally. cute! Optionally, Optionally, yeah. In the Eastern Rite, they do crowns, which I think is based and That's cool. Pretty cool. Um, continue into Mass, you get an an option optional nuptial blessing, uh, that follows the Our Father. You don't need that, but you can get it. What would that? What is that? So basically, so after the Our Father, the priest will go down and just bestow a blessing upon the newlywed couple basically kind of like strengthening the graces of the marriage and um just i guess like asking god to be with the couple throughout their marriage um why would you not have this i so it, that's why it's optional yeah i and mean it's like, like it's like it's so like a little added thing you know for it's, people it's for people who are non-catholic i think it's they make it optional cuz it's like you don't want to you know, so this is the whole thing about like it can happen in mass or it doesn't have to happen in mass. And it's like when you have a non-Catholic family, but you want to get married in the church, you choose the outside of mass option. So that way you're not like making it uncomfortable for your parents to like sit there and be like, what, what is going on? I don't, I don't like this. I don't understand it. I don't know why you're doing it. Um, so I think that's why it's optional. If so, you being a Catholic and having a good Catholic surrounding would be like, of course I'm going to get that. But some people are going to be like, eh, interesting. Let's keep it down. So we actually haven't talked about. Um, you can marry a non-Catholic. Yeah, dispensations for that. So you can marry a non-Catholic, and you can marry a baptized Christian or that is a non-Catholic with a dispensation. Um, you can, and then that'll just be a. Regular wedding. I don't think. Uh, I don't think you can do it in mass because they can't receive communion. Um, <clears throat> I'm sh- so probably not. No. Yeah, if hey, someone who is not fully initiated uh, in the yeah. church cannot receive communion. Um, so if they, I mean, if they've received communion already, 
then and they just need to be confirmed or something like that, then I think you can do it in a mess. Um, but if you are a Catholic marrying an atheist or a Muslim or something like that, uh, first of all, you have to be married in the church or else your marriage isn't valid. Um, and second of all, uh, I don't think you're allowed to do it in mass. Um, if you're marrying a baptized Christian, I think you can do it in mass and then they just change the rules for whether or not you can receive Eucharist or something like that. Because that's a main part is receiving Eucharist both species, um, body and blood, um, together for the first time. So the bride and the groom are the first people outside of the, those serving at the altar to receive. Um, so I don't know exactly what the rules are for a non-Catholic getting married to a Catholic in a Catholic mass setting. Um, so I don't know what those. Is there are. anything different within the marriage? Like after, after the sacrament, you're a married couple. You go on your honeymoon and then live your married life. Is there anything different for if you have a Catholic and a non-Catholic? Theoretically, no. Realistically, very. Um, because you have to promise. One of the promises you make is to raise your kids in the Catholic faith, and especially if the guy is not Catholic, if the husband is not Catholic. Um, good luck raising your kids in the Catholic faith because um, kids with a Catholic dad are 90% likely to become Catholic. And kids with a Catholic mom but not a Catholic dad are something like 20% likely to become a Catholic. So realistically, yes, lots of things will be different. But theoretically, no. The Catholic should be is ordered to do all of the things that he should be doing. Um, I don't know what happens if, if you don't do that. I don't know if it invalidates your marriage. If you don't raise your kids Catholic. If you don't, if you don't raise your kids Catholic. So like if I make the promise to raise my kids Catholic and my wife is not Catholic and then we send them to public school and don't send them to RCIA or anything like that. I don't, or CCD. I don't know if that will invalidate my marriage or not. I mean, it's part of the vows, isn't it? Yeah, and so that's why I would think you. I would presume that that's something you can get an annulment over, right? If you're like, "Hey, I'm Catholic, and my husband said, and my husband made these vows to me, and now he's not doing that," mm-hmm. I presume that's something you can get. Is CCD could, required uh, like to, to educate your kids. Well, yeah, to, you, like, to, you well, I know your kids to educate your faith. But say you know, I I teach my kids scripture and. Oh well, um, you can homeschool them, yeah. But so like, I don't, I don't know if need... there's a. If there's a specific requirement for, like, the church says you need to spend 15 minutes a day studying theology or something like that. Like, I don't know if the church requires that or not. Probably not, because it would be probably a weekly. That would be extremely, extremely hard to, like, keep in track. Yeah, I I doubt there's something like that. Because, let's be honest, as much as the kids who, like, who we know who go to CCD, how many of them are actually practicing Catholics? Yeah. Um, Unfortunately. But mm-hmm. yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Um the so back into the form and the matter of the of the sacrament. Uh the form is the vows and the consent given, so the I do, um given at the end. And the matter is not rings, it's not flowers, it's not anything. It is the, not anything like that, I should say. It is the mutual consent given between the couple. So the form is the words, and the matter is the consent that comes out of that. It's the same way how, like, in the sacrament of penance, 
the matter is the absolution um, rather than anything else. Like you don't walk out of there with a jar where your soul is or something like that. So that'd um, be sick, actually. What? That'd be pretty cool. That would that would be very freaky. I would say <laughs> if you just had your soul bottled up in a jar. I think that'd be pretty. That cool. That would be very freaky. <laughs> well, what happened if you broke the jar? That's a good question. <laughs> Your soul just <laughs> up into the sky, like. That's what happened when you broke my heart, Matthew. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love this soundboard. Oh yeah. So, do we have anything else for matrimony? I don't think so. Unless you guys have anything else to add. Oh. Marriage is based. I, I do have one more little little teensy tiny little question. Um, historically, uh, you know, say in Jesus' time, very historically, uh, marriage and all that happened much younger. Mary was, what, 14? Yeah, sometime around there. So there's... Is that's more of a social thing than a church thing, isn't it? Very cultural thing, yes. So there's nothing. Is there anything in the church saying you can't be more married at 14 now? Yes, the code of canon law says that women have to be 14 and guys have to be 16. So you you can be married at 14. Yes. Okay. But you can't get married at younger than that. Gotcha. Well, it would be an impediment to the marriage if you got married at younger than that. Yeah, for sure. I'm not suggesting that we should have child marriages, but. I just but arranged marriages on the other oh, hand. Well, I, I mean, mean I just, uh, <laughs> what we're talking about. Yeah, that, I mean, <laughs> if we're on the subject. <laughs> and so, one more thing. I just want to talk about generally how this relates to teenagers. Uh, so, obviously, I doubt you guys are getting married. Um, if you are at sixteen, I'm impressed. Good luck. I legitimately wish you the best. Um, Put a comment down below <laughs> if you're getting married right now. Um, you know, you're supposed to be listening to the homily. You're just listening to the Teenage Catholic podcast. <laughs> no, that's a terrible idea. First uh, teenage married couple that send us their marriage or Do you still get a marriage certificate? Uh, yeah. I guess. Uh, proves that they're married. Uh, we'll send you some merch. I will mail you a check for $20. Okay, because we don't actually have merch yet. Yeah, and I also don't have $20. <laughs> <laughs> we'll pull something together for you. <laughs> we'll, we'll, like, draw on a shirt. We'll just buy an undershirt. Just write TCP. You know what? I have used undershirts. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a Sharpie marker. I mean. Yeah. Um, no, but legitimately for teenagers, uh, the biggest thing right now is defending marriage. Um, as it is between a man and a woman, not between two dudes, not between two chicks, not between three dudes, two chicks, and a goat, and a woman. And a car. And a roller coaster. Um, but, like, legitimately, the, the biggest thing is defending marriage as it is and understanding what it is so that way you grow in your relationships with people so that, hey, maybe you'll find a spouse at 18 or 19. You'll get married at 21, 23, something like that. Um, so the biggest thing is just educating yourself now so that you know how to deal with it in, in the future. All right, so I think this is the part of the episode where I tell everybody to like, subscribe, hit that bell for notifications, leave a comment down below again, marriage certificate, we might do something for you guys. Um, 
tax forms? Hey, I mean, while you're down there, give us your social security number, too. Hey, what's your mother's maiden name? <laughs> Maybe give me the high school you went to, the make and model of your first car, uh, your first pet's name. Your address. Any other security questions I might need to know. Passwords are really cool. Just so we can verify your oh, of course. Your, your account. Yeah, yeah. Just so that way we, we really know it's you who've submitted the marriage license. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we appreciate it. Um, we'll send you guys uh, a box of cookies. How about that? That's good. Well, we'll send you guys a box of Oreos, which is why we need your address. Yeah. 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 And your social security. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well put in the IP address, too, you know. Oh, I can find that. They just don't yeah. know it yet. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, seriously, like, subscribe, hit that bell for notifications. Um, we're trying to grow the show. If you guys share it with people, that's the biggest thing you can do to help us get us out into the algorithm. Share it with your friend. Share it with your mother and father who are married. Share it with your spouse if you are married. Share it with somebody you know that's getting married. Share it with a priest who is not getting married. Share it with that one single guy that's also not going to ever get married. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> because he's becoming a priest, right, guys? No. Seriously. Um, but, yeah. Seriously, guys, share, comment, do anything you can. We'd really appreciate it. We'll try to reach back out to you guys. Um, we appreciate everything that you guys are giving to us, and we try to give it back to you. So... Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Give us a comment, and and we'll we'll give you a thumbs up or a smiley face or something or a box of cookies. Box yeah. of cookies. All right. Like With that, that should be enough for matrimony. We'll come back with holy orders next time. I'm Matthew. I'm Joseph. I'm Brendan. And this is the Teenage Catholic Podcast. Deus Volt and God bless. Bye bye. <laughs>